reports provided fact, not fiction from a veteran perspective on global and national news that impacts your life. So we got some great stuff to talk about. And with me as always, and one person, as we stated before the show started, he tells me, shut up, you're wasting time. You could use this on the show. So use it on the show. How's it going, Big Bad Joe? Great intro, John. I really appreciate that. Well, it's true. You do keep me because I can. When you talk politics, I can talk forever. You can, and, and then like, you you do a show before the show, which I think is good for when we start live streaming, which should be coming soon again. But you're kind of giving out all your good material, and I'm just like, you need to be talking about this on the show. The only difference is, is like I want to kind of intervene. Uh, a little bit more here and there just to kind of you say something. And if I get, if I let you get to the end of what you're talking about, I'll forget what it is you were. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so I'm starting to think that Biden as president was a great choice for the show. Oh yeah. Because we can't stop talking was- about the stuff that's going on right now. Yeah. Because he gives us a lot of stuff and he ran I think the big issue is he ran one way as a moderate, but he's governing as a progressive and progressive policies just don't work. That's been proven throughout the country. Okay. So I'm going to be a little conspiracy theorish, not an actual full blown conspiracy theory, but I mean, I have uh, have questions about inflation. I have questions about the Durham report, even up to like how they think the election should have went versus how it didn't. And that's just for you to kind of work your magic and for you to, you know, debunk or even just kind of look at it and mull it around and be like, oh, that's possible. But, okay, that's fair. That's so fair. The first thing of, of inflation, and I think every time we talk about inflation, we have to under we have to define inflation and I'll define it from my perspective. And if it's right, it's right. And if you need to correct me, then that's what you're here for. So inflation is when there's not a lot of goods. But we have way, we have a lot of money and inflation is to kind of curb or curtail so we don't buy up all those goods. And that's basically it. It's too much money out in the, mar- out in the economy chasing too few goods. So basically there's a big demand for a product, few, uh, few products, and that drives up the cost of everything. Now, is that all based on world goods? So like goods around the world coming to the United States and us purchasing them at, or is it goods that are produced by companies in the USA? That's a, they, when the computer consumer price index came out a week or two ago, they look at all goods just in the United States. Okay. They look at furniture prices. They look at gas prices. They look at food prices. Now, food and gas are very volatile, so you really can't look at that too much. But you look at the other things like used cars, new car, all the different commodities that you would normally spend on. That's what they look at. And then they do include food and and gas prices in that. So and who who holds the main share of that? Is it, say, car companies because they're not producing enough cars? Is it the housing market because they're not having enough houses available? Or is it, say, the gas company because we had this great idea or when our new president emerged, cutting down 
a few of our pipelines in the United States. So, well, it's, but, but it comes, but Joe, it comes back to this, the central basic economic of inflation. You have low supply, but high demand for that supply that drives the cost up. So when you talk about, let's say fuel, when President Biden started with ending Keystone XL pipeline, he ended other pipelines. He um, said, we're not going to do renew federal energy leases or extraction or exploration on federal land. Then he's working with the, the Federal Reserve and other financial institutions not to give capital to the energy sector. So you're limiting supply at the same time, demand went up because the economy started to reopen and this shot it up. And then you've got, you know, instability overseas, like say in Ukraine, mm -hmm. because Russia caucuses with OPEC and we've been getting Russian energy for years, but it's really accelerated the last few years. So you're saying the United States has been getting some energy from Russia. Correct. Okay. Well, kind of going into that was, so we have, how is what's going on in Ukraine? Why is that affecting going on in Ukraine? So Russia and Ukraine are having a little tiff, I guess, for right now. Why does that affect our inflation? Because Russian energy would be curtailed on the open market. So if supplies are limited prior to this Ukraine crisis, energy prices started to go up. So President Biden spoke with OPEC saying, can you and Russia, can you increase your production to offset the low supply to drive down prices? Well, these countries said, no, we're not doing it because why would they? They make money. Like before the Biden took office in January 2021, oil was trading around $54 a barrel. Mm -hmm. It's now $93 a barrel. So that's an extra about $40 a barrel extra these countries get. Yeah. Why would they want to increase production? So if Russia goes into Ukraine, then that means we're going to stop any energy coming from Russia. And with the supply low already and the demand there, that spikes the market. And the market doesn't like instability. And you said the way we could maybe put Russia in a bind is if we lowered our gas or our oil prices? Well, the way we lower our oil prices is just like when, when President Trump was in office, he increased oil production by embracing the fracking movement, embracing shale technology that put more energy on the open. We were actually the net exporter of energy. And by doing that, if you remember about two years, two, three years ago, I think an Iranian drone uh, bombed a Saudi oil refinery on the eastern part of Saudi Arabia. Uh -huh. And everybody thought, oh, there we go. That's going to send oil prices to the roof. The reason it didn't, because we were energy independent. We didn't need Middle Eastern oil. Mm -hmm. We had our own energy. We were actually exporting energy abroad. Uh-huh. So that's why energy prices were kept low because of that. I mean, I know everybody's big on climate change, but it's a fallacy that you can just shut off the gas now and poof, 
wind and solar because Europe went that direction. Take Germany. Germany got rid of its nuclear power plants, all its other fossil fuel type energy they've been getting for years. And they signed a pipeline with Russia, but they're not producing enough energy through alternative means through wind and solar, same as Great Britain. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to have to realize fossil fuels is going to be the energy source for a good number of years because it's go the other way. We're going to be paying higher higher prices at the pump and higher utility costs, which we're seeing right now. Is the electrical electric vehicles are those going to maybe help us out a little bit? Yeah, but see, even electric vehicles, you still need power to power up that electric vehicle. Like, remember in 2017, for those listeners who aren't from Florida, in 2017, a hurricane hit Florida. I lived in Tampa, and I got relocated to the eastern part of the county called Hillsborough. That's the biggest county that encompasses Tampa. Hundreds of thousands of people went north and northeast to Orlando. If you move all that many people, are they going to have all the charging stations to handle another influx of hundreds of thousands of people? Probably not. And then in the and there was an article in New Geography that tracks issues at the state and city level. They mentioned that batteries drain faster in a subtropical area than they do in the eclectic climate of California. Remember that Northeaster that hit the the Northeast in January where they had that shutdown on that highway in Virginia? Mm-hmm. Think about if all those vehicles were electric, everything would have been shut down. You yeah. couldn't run your car. You couldn't do anything because it drains it much faster. And people need to realize that it's not, and we're going to get half of all vehicles by 2030 must be electric. That's only about, what, eight years away? Mm-hmm. That's, it's insane that they're trying to do this. And you just look at Australia, you look at Europe, they went to green technology and they're paying four or five times than they did prior to that. Yeah. So I hope everybody's aware of that. More power to them. So when it comes to the Ukrainian situation, what are your, what are you looking at? Cause I know it's, it's changing every day. So by the time someone hears this, it might be different, but I mean, what's going on there? What, and why are we? Well, there? The, well the, the point is how did we get to this point? We mentioned about energy. We mentioned Biden gave Putin access. Access took the sanctions off the Nord Stream 2, which is a pipeline from Russia through the blacks, the Baltic Sea into Germany. It's just an utter weakness by the United States. I mean, we should have put sanctions on long ago, on the Ukrainians long ago. But a lot of it has to do with nationalism by Putin. He doesn't want a pro-Western country that's democratic free market economy on his border while his people aren't doing too well mm-hmm. because there, there was a Russian backed government in um, Ukraine in 2014 and the people overthrew that government put more of a Western government in now Ukraine has a long way to go to end some of the corruption but still Putin doesn't want 
a westernized government on his borders. And there's a potential that Ukraine could join NATO, but that's years away, if even at best. So you got that. Then Putin looks at, because he wrote an article back in July of last year, I think it was titled, Ukrainians and Russians are linked together. They're they're linked by um, historical unity together. Mm-hmm. So he looks at Belarus, Ukraine, and Russia all as one. Ukrainians have a different thought process. So he wants to resurrect the old Soviet Union. He's doing the same thing in Belarus, trying to do it in Ukraine. But he's also doing it in the former Central Asian republics, trying to put more Russian influence to bring them back into their orbit. Yeah. So that's what he's trying. He's trying to upset NATO, trying to dissolve NATO, kind of get friction. And he hasn't done that that well. But there is friction with Germany because, remember, under Trump, Germany doesn't pay its defense. They signed an energy agreement with Russia, but then they don't want then they want us to protect them from Russia. That makes no sense. Yeah. So I do want to talk about the Durham report, but I want to kind of go with a little bit of a possible conspiracy now it was looking prominent for trump to take you know the white house again in 20 2020 and it didn't go that way there were a few shenanigans going on especially with the you know how they were counting the votes and then some things like after they were shutting down polling stations and then reopening them up And to say that the election was stolen, I don't think it's the right thing to say, but it kind of gives me an idea that now that this Durham report is out and there's a lot of people involved and there's a lot of indictments going to be coming down the pipe. I'm wondering if it was possible to get Trump out of office because had Trump been given this information had he been in office, these people would be kind of taking a little bit of a trip down to jail right about now. Well, the one thing I, on that is when Robert, when, excuse me, when William Barr ran the Justice Department, everybody speculated that he was doing the bidding of Donald Trump. William Barr wasn't. And there was no evidence to suggest that Donald Trump interfered. I mean, what he says publicly is publicly. Whether that's right or wrong, that's another subject matter, but he never interfered in any investigation done by the Department of Justice. There's no evidence to support that. Mm -hmm. And even with the the Durham report, that started because William Barr took over from William Jeff Sessions, I think was fired by Trump. And William Barr took over and he went and looked at all these investigations and started asking questions. And the answers he received didn't make sense. And he went to the origins of the, the Russian collusion investigation. Like, what started this? Where did that go? And he was an attorney general under George Bush Sr. So he didn't need this job. But to say that Trump was going to do that, I don't think there's evidence to back that up. But we're going to have to see where Durham goes from here. He made the, the file the motion that the Clinton campaign did, in fact, try to interfere or get involved in Trump's communications at the campaign level and while he was in the White House. So John Radcliffe, the former director of national intelligence under Trump, said more indictments are coming. We'll have to see where he's going. 
nobody knows where Durham is going because there's no leaks coming out. Now, can President Biden kind of come in here and be like, pump the brakes? Or was that like, does that look bad for him if he did that? That would because Merrick Garland, the current attorney general, was on Capitol Hill. We speaking in front of one of the judiciary committees. I'm not sure if it was the House or the Senate. They asked him that. Will you end the Durham report, Durham investigation? He goes, no. And he fully funded it. I think it would be political backlash if they ended it right now. They can, but they're going to face political consequences if they do. Now, what about these indictments? If these indictments come through and nothing happens, what well, is, that, is that another? Well, okay. Now, we're thinking potential indictments. We'll have to see. We don't know where we're going because we don't know where Durham is going. Now, we know so far there's one indictment of... A guy named was this Michael Klein? Oh, excuse me, hold it. Sussman. I, I can't think of his first name. Sussman was an attorney for the Clinton campaign. He was being indicted because he lied and didn't. Uh, he, he tried to go to the FBI, which he did. Tried to push this narrative, but he never told the FBI that he was working for the Clinton campaign. Okay. So now the other one is I think Michael Klein Smith. He pled guilty. He was an attorney for the FBI. And the reason he pled guilty, because he altered evidence and submitted that evidence to get a surveillance warrant to the FISA court to conduct surveillance of a Trump aide called Carter Page. So those so far are the ones who are going through issues right now. Mm -hmm. Where he goes from this, we don't know. Is his report available yet, or is it just no, kind of... it's not available yet? He's still working on it, so nobody really knows. They're speculating because in the, the filing, he lists all the, the, the titles and just say name number one, he never mentions the name, so okay. we really don't know where he's going. We can only speculate that he's following the money, meaning that this tech firm was paid by the Clinton campaign. So then they're probably asking this. We don't even know, did anybody flip? Did anybody say, hey, I'm not doing the bidding of the Clintons. I'm going to be honest with these guys. We just don't know. We'll have to see as time goes on. The only thing we can speculate, if there was nothing there, John Durham would have stopped his report. Mm -hmm. So it just shows that there's, he hasn't finished where he's going or what he's looking at. Where are we getting this information from? Well, this is just from the filing that he filed last week. That's where we get all the information. All the other stuff is just noise. Everybody's speculating. So I would just say, let's just wait and see where, what comes next. Okay. And then how much longer till we maybe get the report out? We don't know. Yeah, there's, there's no date set in stone. The only thing we do know, the Republicans have said, if they take the House and they take the Senate, they would have the report aired openly and have probably John Durham come up on Capitol Hill in front of the committee and openly testify about what's in the report and give his analysis and why he put certain things in, What, much like Robert Mueller did with the, the uh, Russian collusion investigation. Okay. Now, the way things are kind of looking that, you know, the whole Russian collusion thing was a bunch of BS. And you even mentioned that 
you know, with all the, the way the, the news was handling this, especially during Trump's presidency, Trump has, you know, can hold him liable. Yeah, there's a, I got to look it up, but there's a court case from, from the Supreme Court called Sullivan versus the New York Times. And basically they're held to a different standard than a business. But if they knowingly falsify or knowingly reported a false information because they knew this was false, they just wanted to, to tarnish Donald Trump, they can be held liable for that. Because uh, when the report, okay, when the dossier, which was the impetus for this whole Russian collusion thing, and I, when they released the dossier, there was a news outlet, I can't think of Daily Caller, or day, I can't remember which one it was. But anyway, they released the dossier. I read the dossier and I'm like, dang, this is very inflammatory. This is very damaging to Donald Trump. But then my next breath was, has this been verified? None of it was verified. Even the FBI knew it wasn't verified, but they then briefed outgoing President Obama and incoming President Trump. Once they did that, they released that dossier to the news media who ran with it. Oh, it's fact because they briefed these two individuals. Mm-hmm. And it ne- and still to this day has never been factually authenticated that this is what transpired. So um, when they finally do come out and they kind of know that this whole thing was BS, does Pulitzer actually have the ability to go back and take back their Pulitzers that they gave to the reporters that reported on this? Well, right now, the Pulitzer Prize Committee should pull their, 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 their award right now, even before this dossier, I mean, this filing by Durham, because they won the Pulitzer Prize, the New York Times and Washington Post in December, I think it was 2018, but there was no, there was nothing. Then four months later, John, Robert Mueller comes out with his report and said there was no evidence of any American colluding or willingly or unwillingly colluded with the Russians. And does so, this like, does this, does, does this, if they don't do anything, does it kind of discredit the Pulitzer? I, in my opinion, it's just my opinion. If they don't pull that Pulitzer prize back to me, it would, it would not tarnish it. It would be a garbage award. Yeah. You got to You gave someone the gold standard for journalism for a story that was false. If, and if you don't pull it back, it's a garbage award. It's a, it well, means nothing. Anymore. What if it's under the guidelines of that? It was such a compelling story, even though it wasn't true. You made people think it was true. Or is that but not see, really falling under Pulitzer? But see, journalism goes off the Society of Professional Journal um, Ethics Code. I think it's called the Society of Professional Journalism. If you look at their ethics code, and bullet point, the very first thing it says the accuracy of your reporting. Well, in that that Pulitzer Prize, what was their accuracy of the reporting? Everything was false. They for a couple of years they've been saying Trump is a tool of Russia. We've seen mountains of evidence. It's more than circumstantial. Where's the evidence? I mean, you could hate Donald Trump. I got it. Many people despise the guy, but. Where's the evidence to convict someone? Does his rights go away because we don't like Donald Trump? Mm-hmm. That's a standard that what happens with somebody else? What happens if it was you or anybody else? You're, you're guilty till we prove yourself innocent. 
Or why would anybody want to go into public service if they're going to be trashed like that? Their names and families run through the mud. Mm -hmm. So it's a dangerous game the media plays. And right now they're not covering this filing by John Durham because they'll have egg all over themselves because they jumped at every salacious scandal or story and became false. Here's something and they're not even reporting on. So uh, maybe going a little bit of a sidebar was the uh, Canadian protest and how they're being very, I would think they're being peaceful. I mean, a lot peaceful than BLM a few, a year, a few years ago. But yet, you know, Canada is so driven on maybe making it their state a, a totalitarian, totalitarian state. See, the problem is, it's not that the truckers are against vaccines. They're not against vaccines. They're against this mandates that's coming down from their government. Yeah. And it seems like the government is treating them like terrorists. Even Jonathan Turley, the constitutional scholar from George Washington university goes, he's against the truckers for blocking the streets and blocking parliament. He's against that. I agree with that. He's not against peaceful protest. He's not against them exercising their First Amendment right. I mean, I know their rights are a little different than in the United States, but peaceful protest is a hallmark of a democratic institution, a democracy. And what Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, is doing is is curtailing that. We're going to go after your bank records. We're going to destroy you. Yeah, they want to go after anybody that has donated money to them and, and, and freeze your account. And I just think what's going to happen is it's kind of what you're seeing in this country. People are tired of government telling them how to live their lives, but then they see government officials doing the polar opposite. Look what happened at the Super Bowl. You look up into the corporate boxes and all the actors all the political leaders, all unmasked, moving around freely, but yet their kids are masked. And this is why there's an anger. And in San Francisco, three school board members were recalled out overwhelmed because of that. They're Mm -hmm. tired of this. And people want to make decisions for their own lives, not government telling them what to do. Yeah. So, well, I mean, uh, you kind of wanted to touch up on education, as we always do. This is one of the things that we really enjoy talking about on the show. Well, but see, that's the, like I said, they recalled the three school board members because they were more involved in woke policy, like renaming the uh, schools because they found offensive, like taking the name of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Diane Feinstein, I think elementary school. But they didn't have any plan of how to bring these kids back to school. Mm-hmm. And parents were just outraged. Like, you mean you don't have a plan, but you're going to spend all your time and effort renaming schools? And if you look at San Francisco, they have about 21% of black and Hispanic children are deficient at grade level in education. And it's worse now because of the pandemic. And in California, it's almost 80%. 
And that was from the Department of Education from the state of California. So it's not like it's from a conservative um, organization. So I think people are seeing this and it start, kind of started like out in Virginia and Loudoun County mm-hmm. where parents went to the school board. Then they were labeled domestic terrorists. Then you have the National um, School Board Association send a letter to the attorney general saying we got to protect the school boards, call these people terrorists. And then they found out that they were more heavily involved and the school board was working with the CDC. The, the teachers unions were working with the CDC to craft language that was favorable to their members. And people are tired of it. But then they see like Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, he gets to send his kids to a private school, but everybody else has to go to a public school and do remote learning. My brother's kids are like that. Yeah, They have to learn remote. Now they're back in school, but they're just tired. And the science doesn't show where children wearing a mask. They're not at high risk. How's this going to affect the midterms? And you were mentioning how if we could take back the House and we could take back the Senate, well, uh, but where, like, okay, the House is probably a little bit more cumbersome than the Senate. Who is up for the Senate where we can kind of shift? Okay. Right now in the Senate, it's 50-50. 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats with Kamala Harris, the tiebreaker. One of the key seats, the battleground state is Arizona. Okay. That is Mark Kelly. Then you have Senator Warnock. He's up for his own term because he ran a special election. He's up for his own term in Georgia. Then you have a Senate race out in Nevada. And let me see where else is the other state. Yeah, I think those are the key three states. Now, Amy Walters of the Cook Political Group reported that in this election, there's not a state that has a senator up for as a battleground state or district that's a state that went for Trump that Biden has to defend. He doesn't. But there's Arizona, Georgia, Nevada barely went for Biden. Okay. So, and then you've got beyond just the educational issue, then you have the top issues Americans are concerned with is inflation slash economy. Then you've got COVID, crime, and immigration. Mm-hmm. So, but the senators in Senator Warnock and Senator Kelly, they kind of have been voting the progressive way. They haven't stood up. They haven't heard anything about them, especially Senator Kelly, who has immigration on his border. He could stop it now, but he hasn't. And then you got Maggie Hassan, a Democratic senator up in New Hampshire. She's in a battleground state. So we'll have to see how this goes. But the economy is going to be key. If inflation is, is keep as high as it is now and the economy is struggling, Democrats are going to have a long night. Yeah. All right, John. So why don't you go ahead and tell them where they can find us? You can find us by going to Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com or you can check out Ubaldi Reports on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, which I do a lot of these videos. And you can go to Ubaldi Reports group on Facebook. So we'd love to hear from you. And we're still, I know we keep saying this, but we're trying to fix the streaming thing. You got to do it. We're working full-time jobs. So we're trying to get this fixed. And hopefully very, very soon, 
we'll be able to do this. All right. So everybody have a great night and we will talk to you later. All right. Keep listening to Ubaldi Reports. Until next time, keep listening to Ubaldi Reports.